Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to Geeking In and Anchor. We love you. I am Jay. I'm your party host. So grab your your bourbon, your beer, or your brew, half a sugar and almond milk, just the way you like it, and strap in for uh, a hell of a conversation. Um, and let's see how much of this actually gets being able to be listened to by the time we're finished. Um, I am joined, as always, by the incredible, the invincible, the infamous, our futurist, our Tony Stark. How you doing, T? Listeners, gentlemen, hello. It's good to be here. Not convinced this episode will get published, so let's be as wacky as ever. I know, we could go controversial. <laughs> um, and if you're going controversial, there's one place you go. You go to your Mr. Fantastic, your flexible friend, the pyjama prince of the paws we were promised. How you doing, B? Jambo, Jambo Buana, Abari Gani, Mazuri Sana, Wageni, Makuri Bishwa, Kenya Yetu, Hakuna Matata. Now I know that's for our, our, our Ugandan listeners. Um, as we continue to grow our listeners from Hemel Hempstead to Dublin to Oregon and Uganda. Um, rough translation? Uh, hello. Um, how are you? Um, um, uh, no problems. Something like that. Okay. No and worries. Was it to the... No worries. That's it. <laughs> was that to the tune of the Copacabana? Uh, no, no. It's it's actual song. It's, it's, oh, really? Um, oh, quite. Uh, um, being born in, in Kenya, I, I know a little bit of Swahili. Um, so it, it is a proper song, and it was also covered by Bonnie M. Oh, very nice. You were born in Kenya? Yeah, Mombasa. Wow. Did not know that. There you go, listeners. You get to listen and learn along with us. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so please continue to rate, review, subscribe and share so we can continue to have the most incredible places pop up on our listening feed, which uh, blows our mind every single time as to where these conversations are are being listened to. And we, we love every single one of it. So thank you very much. And if you want to get involved in the conversations, it's still, as always, at Geeking In Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Tell us about uh, whatever you've got going on. Uh, tell us about everything that uh, your, your opinions of, and uh, we shall uh, share them on the pod. Um, and if you are feeling frisky, then the Linktree link will take you wherever you want to go, including to our Teespring store that sells um, the T-shirts, the mugs, and the masks. Um, if there are any issues with Teespring, you can phone them. Um, you might have to give them a while because it does take a while to get to them to answer the phone. It might take up to 10 <laughs> rings. <laughs> Very good. This was excellent. That was so good. <laughs> I, I had no idea where I was going with that, so I thought I'd just try that one instead. And speaking of 10 rings, <laughs> we got our first look at Shang-Chi uh, and the legend of the 10 rings, the next Marvel movie to come out with all the other Marvel movies that he's still yet to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, this one's due September. Um, 
and uh, the trailer kind of um, is beautiful and fairly action-packed without giving too much away, uh, but shows that uh, Shang-Chi, um, played by uh, Simu Lui, um, is uh, called home, in essence, by his father um, uh, to take his rightful place after uh, being able to go out and, and live in the world for uh, 10 years. Um, kind of basically it's the coming to America plot with, with Kung Fu, mm. although coming to America had Kung Fu. So it's the coming to America plot. Um, <laughs> but it looked amazing. Uh, we got our first view of Razor Fist. We got our first, first view of the death dealer. Um, and it looked like an action packed film. Um, T, you were very, very excited when you messaged the group about the trailer. Oh, How God, did yeah. you like it? I, I loved it. You know, it didn't... It's weird thing to say, but it, it didn't, didn't feel like a Marvel trailer, and I didn't want it to feel like a Marvel trailer because we've had that. We had, you know, phases one through four, and, it, you know, all of that's brilliant. This this felt a bit more like, like, a, like a Hong Kong action film, you know? It just felt yeah. great. The, I mean, this was a teaser, right? So this isn't even really the proper trailer. That's dropped. It's just kind of giving. Although it was fairly long, it was giving. Yeah, Teaser length, wasn't it? It was about teaser length. Teaser length. Uh, sorry, trailer length. It was about two minutes. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they didn't actively go out of the way to kind of tell you the story. You could sort of piece it together, I suppose. Um, but it was just giving you a flavor of things. I mean, I suppose the only thing that was missing from it for me was Shang Chi himself. I think he says maybe two or three lines in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a real good sense of his character. Is he kind of witty banter, Tony Stark, you know, uh, Peter Parker, or is he sort of more serious? Where, where does he sort of land in all of this? Um, but the action looked amazing. Um, uh, uh, Tony Lung, oh my God. Him, that's all I want to watch. That's amazing. Uh, Aquafina's hilarious always. Um and yeah, the, the kung fu, the, the fighting again. It was little clips, but and obviously it's chopped up because it's little clips, and and we're hoping we get like longer length sort of proper fights and stuff. But it's what you never got in in Iron Fist, and Shang Chi is a yes. very, for me, you know, not a very well known character. Iron Fist is the first person I think about if you tell me martial artist in the MCU. Hmm. Um, uh, so I know very little about Shang Chi, which is even more exciting. Um, and I, this kind of makes me like that they dropped the Netflix um, series entirely from the MCU. Uh, so really, our first MCU entry into like this world of martial arts is Shang-Chi, and that feels really appropriate. Um, yeah, awesome. I'm so excited for this. I think I am... You know, there are a few films, few, like just immediately from the trailer, that you think, whoa, this is unexpected. Ragnarok felt that way. Uh, Black Panther felt that way. Um, and now Shang-Chi feels this way. It's exciting. It's different. You know, I feel like something big's going to come. Yeah, I mean, B, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Um, it has a little bit of, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Big Trouble in Little China, mm, that kind yeah. of feel to it. Yep. Um, looks super cool. And, you know, the good thing about this, it's been under the radar a little bit. Um so I'm glad it's getting some love finally. Um, looks pretty cool. I love it. I mean, it's it's um, a throwback. I've talked before about my uh, love of um, 
the Godzilla films and recording them on Channel 4 on like two o'clock on Friday night, Saturday morning and watching them with my brother. Um, the other ones that, that they ran at that kind of time were some of the classic uh, 70s uh, Kung Fu films. Um, you know, the Drunken Monster, the 36 mm. Chambers, the that kind of, you know, the, those classic mm. uh, Kung Fu films. And it has a lot of a feel of that to it. There's um, uh, a certain amount of wire work that seems to be going on with it, which is which is beautiful and amazing. And um, one of the things that left me a little bit, you know, I, I enjoyed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but um, I, I don't think I was blown away as, as a lot of other people because... I'd seen that and I grew up watching mm. that mm. kind of thing. So, you know, them flying through the bamboo was beautiful, but not new. Whereas I felt for a lot of people who were watching that film, it was new. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it feels the bus scene um, feels very Jackie Chan to me <laughs> um, in the sense of, you know, a lot of action, really crisp movement um, uh huge amount of physicality but um uh, a good amount of humor a good amount of pandering to to the camera and you know faces and expressions of um how it works so um yeah it felt very classic kung fu bruce lee style chuck norris style beautiful kind of kung fu-ness to me it's also great, I think, what they're doing with um, reintroducing the Mandarin, or finally introducing the Mandarin um, as a proper threat. So, so I don't know if it's Tony Long playing the Mandarin. Um, although I, I, I think what they've done is they're probably merging uh, Fu Manchu, who was yes, um, uh, uh, his dad, who was Shang Chi's original dad. Uh, mm. With the Mandarin now, because and and it does work because it's kind of similar, kind of this Russell Hall kind of, you know, uh, long life, uber powerful character. So kind of that's a good way to put it all together, I think. Um, and that is a, I mean, you know, I thought, I, I Iron Man three and what they did with the Mandarin was a huge disappointment, you know. Um, and Trevor Slattery, I think, I think they made up for it a little bit with that one shot. Um, I was just about to say that all how the king one shot did did both of you see that yes yes mm -hmm. so that that redeemed it I think a little bit but you know you shouldn't have a one shot to redeem an entire film and a character but I'd love to see a slattery cameo in this as well actually um, so yeah excited to get that high level villain who's you know behind the scenes controlling everything especially where we are with um, <clears throat> MCU now where with the TV series and things, it all feels a bit more grounded and the politics are all a bit more murky and a bit more blurry. Yeah. You know, um, the presence of not just one villain being the opposite of the hero and being being big and bad and finished. It feels like, no, you know, there are repercussions to things. Um, so, you know, this wouldn't just be about beating this guy in a martial arts tournament and that's it, that's a success. If he's got a big criminal empire, you've got to take down the big criminal empire. Or there'll be a you know a power vacuum and this and that and there's you know really interesting things that can come out of this. Oh, very exciting. And it's the it's the legacy piece again, isn't it? It's it's you know the guy who, from the trailer, it looks as if his his destiny is to be the next Mandarin. It yep. looks to be the next head of this organisation, and he's decided to 
go straight and go a different way and mm-hmm. and you know not take up the 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 the, the title that is his and bestowed upon bestowed upon him mm. um so that choice to move away from that dark and do things a different way um is always quite compelling because mm. it's kind of that you know tradition and family and you know he's 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 benefited in many ways from this experience and this lifestyle um but has been bold enough to step away from it mm. as akim did in in coming to america <laughs> Which one? The first one or the second one? Have Have either of you watched the second one? Yes, oh. I've watched Coming to America as well as Coming to America. <laughs> How did you feel about Coming to America? Um, I thought it was a much sort of softer version of the first film. Um, I think I watched it at a time where, where you know, I enjoyed uh, huge, huge chunks of it. it. It didn't have the same bite, the same excitement as the first film. And I don't think you can watch it with that in mind. You've just got to sort of take it as a little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of throwback. Um, and and especially the kind of, it was bookended by, by these huge, great big sort of family parties. And that all felt very, very real. Um, it seemed like the cast were having a great time and you could kind of have a great time along with them. Um, so yeah, no, it it wasn't a good film, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Yawn. <laughs> you you went into it? No, uh, I I loved coming to America the the first one. Mm. Um, this one, I I just it it no, it just felt wrong. And you know the the thing I hate about sequels and 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 things where. They they obviously have done it as a money making thing, not because there was a story there. I don't think it was ever done as as potentially as a as a group of you know movies that they would expand on a trilogy or something like that. It it was just a one off, and it should have been left a one off. I mean, I don't, I don't think Eddie Murphy needs any more money, man. I think he's doing all right. Um... <laughs> I mean, Wesley Snipes probably was very grateful of the payday. <laughs> Wesley Snipes was the best character in this let's, film. I mean, let's Every just hope he. Yes. Let's just hope he's filled his tax return in right for this one. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I I I enjoyed it far more than I thought it was going to. It was it was quite fun. I thought and and I enjoyed it. Um, now, the story is uh, Ryan Coogler, so the director of Black Panther, approached Eddie Murphy with ideas for a sequel. Really? Um, yeah, and then Eddie Murphy wasn't quite into that idea, and then they played around with a few other concepts. So could they turn it into like a a stage play, a musical, that kind of stuff? Um, and eventually, bouncing things around, they ended up with the story that they have, um, and then decided to make it. I, I agree that you, you didn't need a sequel, um, and I don't, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily feel like a sequel. I don't think anyone's going to watch the two and go, "Oh yes, and what's the coming to." think they're just two individual very different films um one the first one was amazing and great for its time has influenced everything since and the other one is just kind of this like fun throwback that you'll watch once i mean it's 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 absolute nostalgia bomb i completely and utterly it's there to to make you kind of i mean i i really doubt it stands up as a film on its own Mm. um you know it's it's an it's a family reunion and a joke that everyone's invited Mm. to You know, like for instance, sexual chocolate coming back out and all the rest of it. It's all 
completely designed as a Hokkaido. You remember that bit? Here's that bit again. Um, and I was there for it. I, I, I enjoyed it far more than I expected to. So um, I was I was really happy with it um, overall. Um, Akaki not... getting raped was a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can see what they were kind of trying to do. Mm. But yeah, it's 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 a weird creative solution. <laughs> that was the only big, the massive mic- misstep for me. I think everything else was was, was fun. Um, would you like a little bit of breaking news? Mm, yes, please. Uh, so uh, we were just talking about Shang Chi and 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 that part and how it all fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Secret Invasion, the Disney Plus Marvel Studios TV series that we know is on the way, mm-hmm. is picking up cast members. Ooh. So you may have seen uh, stories over the last couple of days that Olivia Coleman is in conversation to uh, join the series. Oh, that's cool. Which is, which is pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it has been announced, uh, according to Variety, uh, that um, Amelia Clark is in final negotiations to board the project. Khaleesi. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mockingbird? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm more excited about Olivia Coleman than anything, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Amelia Clark is great. She's a fantastic actress and she'll be great in whatever she does. So great, but. What's Olivia Coleman going to be? Two queens. Um, yeah, I mean, some interesting casting there, and some big, um, big names. So that's <laughs> uh, shaping up nicely. It's good. It's good to have Marvel money, and <laughs> well, we'll talk about it <laughs> after the after. But uh, yeah, Marvel can pull in some great casting. Can't they just? Interesting. Any speculation as to who you'd want either of those to be in in Secret Invasion? Has Spider-Woman been cast yet? No. Not that we're aware of. So we know that Olivia Wilde is penciled to We think it's to direct a Spider-Woman. Was it Silk? Well, this was the thing. It was kind of the spider yeah. emoji was, was kind of it, wasn't it? Mm. So I, I can certainly see Amelia Clark as a spider woman. And that's a character I really want to see brought, brought to life. Jessica Drew? Yes, Jessica Drew spider mm. And not sort of wasted as the, um, oh, she's been the scroll queen, uh, queen all along. Mm. Um, I, I don't know with Olivia Colman. That's why it's so exciting. I don't know who she'd play. Mm. Um, no, I was trying to think about who would be. I mean, unless you do like a net bending thing in in Captain Marvel, where she plays someone and no one. Yeah. So she's you know the supreme intelligence as well as you know. So she's the skull scroll queen. As well as, you know, just whoever she saw that looked like Olivia Common. Oh, well. Oh. How long have we got to wait to find out? 
We've got a minute. We've we've got a little bit longer for it. Um, so, so is there a, TV, a Marvel TV show lined up for once Winter Soldier ends? Frank Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends. Loki, isn't it? Loki, yeah. That's oh, in May, isn't it? I think they've got a, a week's break or two weeks break. Oh, I love, yeah, I, I think love it's Disney a uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure if it's one week because they seem to be doing the behind the scenes bit. Yeah, and then they move into the next one. Hmm. Um, but I think it's Loki next. I think it's Marvel's What If after that. Yeah. Um, because that's meant to be the summer one. Um. I don't know what the one after that is. They've got to keep these coming. I feel honestly. I should. If they if they take some kind of summer break, you know, I think we'll all have some kind of withdrawal collapse. <laughs> what will we talk about? <laughs> well, I'm hoping at that Cup. point they they. they... <laughs> oh, yeah, we must have got the other sixteen films of the Snyderverse at that point. Um, I mean, I'm hoping if they take a break from Marvel, they just switch it over to Star Wars because. Book of Fett's at the end of the year, I think. Yeah. Mando 3's next year. It's so... been so good to just have weekly drop shows to watch, you know. I've, I've missed this so much, just, you know. As much as I, I do enjoy the, the binge and all of this, just to know, right, Friday's coming up, there's something there's something to watch. I um, And we'll get on to it when we talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier at the end of the show, but... Um... I'm starting to get to the point, and it won't be because we've only got one and a Falcon and Winter Soldier left, but um, this week I did find myself thinking as to whether I watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier first or Invincible first. Uh, I watched Invincible first. That's the one I was more excited about. Yeah. Yeah. What did you go with? I went with Falcon. Yeah, I went with Falcon as well. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, yeah, are, no. Are, are we missing a trick here? Not doing weekly invincible chat as well. I think I think that might be where we move to. Mm. Um, maybe a bit of a story so far, and then talk about because it remains stunningly shocking with some of the stuff that works through. It's a um, movie every week. You know, mm. you get a whole thing, a whole complete story arc every single week. Yeah, and and has has some brilliant twists in it as well. Yeah. Um, B, did you catch up on the end of um, Hellstrom? Nope, I've got last one left, so no spoilers, please. I will, I will not spoil that. Um, and uh, yeah, so my fourth of well, it'll be third going forward because Hellstrom finishes when they all die. Um, oh, sorry. I meant Hellstrom finishes <laughs> this season. Um, uh, but uh, Solar Opposites, which was my recommendation last week, is my fourth. So at the moment, it's Falcon and Winter Soldier, followed by Invincible, followed by uh, Solar Opposites. I-, I gave that a shot last week. Um, so we did the pilot episode. Didn't, you didn't sound quite... disappointed. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, it didn't quite work. And I tried to go in with thing. It's, it's not Rick and Morty, you know, go very open-minded. Um didn't quite work for me. I might give another ep- try, one more episode. I mean, I yeah, I I enjoy it because it's not Rick and Morty, but it does feel Rick and Morty adjacent. Hmm. Um, but I I did sit down and binge like the first three or four episodes, and I don't know if that helped it along its way. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it just you know, it's it's something fun to watch. So I I I'm into it. Um, in it, it helps fill the gap between. 
this and Rick and the new Rick and Morty stops me just watching the old Rick and Mortys over and over again <laughs> for a little while. Um, but yeah, Shang Chi coming in September. Um, I think it's one that we're all very much looking forward to. Um, and Shang Chi's first appearance was in Special Marvel Edition number fifteen. Uh, which went on sale in December 1973. Um, and if you were looking to pick that comic up now, uh, it would easily cost you a good couple of thousand pounds if you're looking for a, a CGC certified copy and about 350 to 400 pounds if you're looking for a, a non-slabbed raw copy, um, which is a real testament to uh, the the explosion in speculative books in comic collecting at the moment and the difference in value between graded books um, and uh, raw copies, non-graded books, um, which is going to be our next conversation. So I think um, between us, we've got uh, different uh, levels of comic book collecting, uh, all comic book fans. Um, uh, and I think this is a fairly generalized term, but um, T, you are more of a uh, reader than bag and board collector. Is that right? Yep. Fair? Um, my comics are all read and thumbed through and, you know, in loved conditions. They're, lo they're, they're very well loved. <laughs> um, I, I think my first recommendation on this show was, um, was Justice League Elite. Um, and those that's probably one of the first comics where I actually bought them, or one of the early ones where I actually so bought them. That was actually your third. Ah, okay. And that was actually your second comic book recommendation. Yeah, okay. Your first comic, your first recommendation was Q Squared, mm -hmm. uh, and your second recommendation was Paper Girls. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so Paper Girls, I picked up the trades. Uh, Just League Elite, I picked up the actual comics. Um, and I've read them so many times, like the covers are half falling off and stuff like that. I keep like planning to go and buy a trade, and now I think the trades are out of print, actually. So I'm left with my like ratty old... Um... What, what do you call the individual issues? Monthlies? Like, what did you say, raw comics earlier? Yeah, so we'll get into a little bit of terminology on some of it. But yeah, just 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 issues, I guess. Right. Um. So, so I'm, I'm, yeah, rat, ratty issues of Justice League Elite. Um, yeah, so I read mine. Um, I don't really look after them particularly, um, but I know you guys do. And what's really exciting is I see on the message board, uh, the, our messages, you guys get these regular mail calls, and it's all, um, all the, all the comics all bagged up and, all, and all this stuff going on, and the conversations about prices rising and dropping and stuff like that. Uh, and I just want to learn about it, really. So I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. Um, I have a mix of, um, I have a, a few, like collected comics, specifically to collect them rather than to read them. Um, and then I have a lot that I've been absolutely beaten to shit out of, and 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 make me cry with the the condition of some of them. Um, and and B, you whilst you are an avid comic reader and do read a lot of comics, um, you also are the you know there's a read of copy and a collector copy um, mentality on it, and far more into 
the CGC, the graded comics, the slabbed mm. comics, um, than than uh, TRI. I've got about half a dozen, I think. Um, whereas you've got over a hundred. Is that right? Yeah, it's hundred and I'll tell you precisely. I've got an app which um, <laughs> organizes all my uh, all my comics, and I have. In my collection, 113 CGC graded comics. So um, let's do a little bit of kind of layman's terms and kind of setting the groundwork for some of this. So, um, B, I'm going to give you some terms that kind of jump out at me. And if you can um, kind of define them for us. Mm-hmm. So kind of that, that, that common language. So let's start with um, uh, Raw. Uh, Raw is the comic book that you buy off the shelf or uh, delivered to you um, in its true form, which is just paper. And uh, so the natural progression from that is then bagged and boarded. Yep. So you put it into a, a plastic sleeve um, with a backing board, which protects it from um, water damage or being bent or any spine ticks or, any sort of damage you would get to a book which would decrease its value. Are, now, these, obviously, are these special bags and boards or just sort of... You can get different kinds of, of, of poly bags, obviously, depending on whether it's a Silver Age, Bronze Age, Modern, mm. um, depending on you know the age of the comic book uh, because sizes are different. Um, ah. But you can get different um, thicknesses of um, bags. And again, different types of backing boards. So I I store my issues in in uh, in groups. So like if I've got a you know a six issue arc, they'll mm. all go into one bag, kind of stuffed in there together, and that goes. What, what, what kind of bag? Those those Tesco's. comic bags. Oh, Tesco's. Tesco's. Yeah, Tesco's. Yeah. <laughs> Other supermarkets are also available to shop at, and they may or may not have a version of a caterpillar cake that you can or cannot buy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, st- I started doing this when I was buying um, uh, comics off eBay and stuff like that. And often they'd come back, and I just thought this is a great way of storing them. So then I just went and bought a whole bunch of bags and magic tape. So yes. in case the tape yeah. accidentally touches the comic, it doesn't damage anything. Absolutely. Yes. Never, never buy um, uh, resealable bags, comic bags, because inevitably, de- <clears throat> excuse me, inevitably there'll be some day when the bag gets stuck to the comic and that day you will cry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, bags and boards give a certain level of protection. However, uh, the industry standard at the moment is um, CGC for greater levels of protection. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about CGC and slabbed? Yeah, so uh, slabbing... Um... A comic book protects it, so it. It. I think we've talked about it on on previous occasions. Um, it just protects it um, going forward. Um, it should hopefully make the comic book last forever. Um, obviously, you can't <laughs> read it, uh, but you can certainly look at it. <laughs> um, and there's you know various ways you can store that, uh, whether it be in a box or on display. Um, yeah. Now. Uh, so this is the whole thing sealed in plastic. Yes. Yeah, so basically, it's an acrylic case. Yeah. 
around absolutely it. yeah um and you, you can you can crack them and you can open them but they're mm-hmm. not designed to be no. and as part of that they're graded that's right um do you want to talk a little bit about the grading yeah there's there's obviously various levels of grading and grading is all about how um perfect the book is um a book which has never been touched literally from the production line uh it floats off the production line <laughs> and two cgc will be classed as a 10 so 10 is the highest um it's it's called gem mint uh, and that is the uh alexia of of grading you, you can not get higher than a 10 um and then you get um one one mark lower which is 9.9 which is um there is a definition for it but it slips my mind at the moment um it it's kind of mint but not quite a 10 um and that again is 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 quite rare it's as rare as a, as a 10 i've 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 only ever seen a 10 once and I have not got a 10 in my collection. I've got one 9.9, but not a 10. Um, and then you get one lower than a 9.9, which is a 9.8, which is classed as a near mint. Um, and then again, which then goes down two points to a 9.6 and then a 9.4 and then a 9.2 and then a 9.0. And then it drops down to an 8.5, 8, 7.5, 7, and so forth until you get to zero, which is basically um, a couple of sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so your older comics, your golden age comics, you know, very rarely you get anywhere near a, a 9.8 or a 9.9 or 10. Um, but if you do, then they would be worth literally loads of money. So in the grading, I mean, there's no such thing as a 9.5 or an 8.7. It's very specific. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. And so you, when we're talking about a 10 or a 9.9, you're saying straight off the production line. So is mm-hmm. that possible? I mean, can you? how, how does one buy a fresh comic? Do you, can you buy from... The, the printers um no but you you get certain retailers who have um uh deals um so basically literally they come off the production line and they're sent straight to cgc for grading right okay um and they're the ones where you're more than likely you get 9.8 obviously but even then that's not yeah, so that's absolutely possibly a nine point eight, maybe even a ten. But even yeah. that's, you know, if it if it if if it's dinged on the box as you lift mm-hmm. it up, and you you potentially get some sort of damage or something that's you know it, it's almost that new car thing of the moment you drive mm-hmm. it off the lot, then you you, you devalue it, and yeah. the moment human hands pick it up, and you'll see you know the the mm-hmm. cotton gloves and all the rest of it from from some to try and stop, you know, the slightest bit of of you know grease from a hand scuffing the cover or whatever else mm. um yeah so a fingerprint is considered as a, a docked mark right. so if you've got a fingerprint on on the cover then that's one one mark down 
God, I, I wouldn't want my um. I'd be I'd be nervous about the person grading it, screwing it up. Well, you know that's a that's that's part of the um, element, really, because you you have all different graders, um, and someone's nine point eight might be a someone's nine point six or nine point four. If it's harsh, if the graders had a really bad day, then you know one day it could be a nine point nine point eight, another day it could be an eight point five. And you say that, I mean, so the, 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 the variance in value of that, though, is enormous, yeah. pretty ridiculous for, for something that's um, that open to interpretation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I shared a picture um, a f- few months back of a comic that I'd submitted um, via my local comic shop um and you know to me that looked absolutely perfect it was uh rise zero which is the first appearance of of anyone take one a cake guess no okay uh um um bloodshot oh okay yeah so um i submitted that um and it looked perfect to me. Um, I couldn't see any marks on it. All the pages were white. There were no dings anywhere, no spine ticks, no creases. Um, you know, even the the guy at the comic book shop, he looked at it. Um, he said it was a contender, um, aren't we all? Um, and off it went to CGC. And, you know, I honestly thought it was going to come back a 9.8. It came back a 9.2. So the difference in value from a 9.8, which would have been over 150 pounds, to a 9.2, which is worth 27 pounds. Right. Um, and so, what's the cost of getting it graded? Um, so the cost of getting it graded, it it depends. You can get it graded via a comic book shop which um, is certified to deal with uh, CGC. Um, and they normally charge anywhere between 30 to 40 pounds. Um, there's obviously different difference in values um, because the more, um, the more valuable the book, the more CGC will, CGC will charge to grade it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Um, so if you've got an action comics number one, mm. say for example, um, you'd probably be looking at a, a cost of a thousand pounds or something like that to get it graded. So, um, I, I have some interesting stuff about action comics number one in front of me, so uh, we'll come on to that in a second. But mm-hmm. action comics number one and that comic you were just talking about, Rise Zero, was it? Yep, Rise Zero. Um, now they're both key issues. Mm-hmm. Would you like to explain key? Sure. Um, so um, you have a comic book. Now, when that comic book uh, starts its run or its first appearance, uh, its first issue, it would normally have the appearance of the character for the first time. Um, and that normally attracts a premium and adds value to the, to the book. Um, so say, for example, recently we had um, a comic book which hasn't come out yet, but it's called Robin One, 
um it's a new run of of comic books produced by dc now within that issue there's going to be three appearances uh for the first time new characters that haven't appeared in dc universe before um and that adds value to the comic book um say for example um talked about um, Rai just now so that was the first appearance of Bloodsport so if it's a character that's going to be quite popular and perhaps appear in future um, comic books or crossovers then then you know comic collectors would be after that book and again basics of of demand and supply um, it will add value to the uh, book itself and the, I mean, the Marvel and DC, well, everything in regards to the IP wars, but the the the, the movement of characters onto TV series and movie screens mm. are obviously having an impact on that. Massive. Um, Massive. And speculation about that has an impact on that. So, for instance, um, there was a lot of interest in um, a Fantastic Four book um, recently, um i want to say 24 i think i'm wrong on that but it was a fantastic four book um which had the first appearance of agatha harkness and mm. that book was spiking and going up a lot of money under the assumption and the rumor that agatha harkness was going to make her mcu debut in um one division mm. uh, another book that saw an incredible rise from one division was um uh west coast avengers number uh, 45. Uh, now, West Coast Avengers is, is far more tea, the kind of stories that, that you're into in the regards to they weren't like the, the, the hotshot Avengers. They were the B team in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, but West Coast Avengers 45, um, about six months ago, about a year ago, were you were finding in your bargain bins mm-hmm. um, because it's West Coast Avengers. Um, one I was tracking on eBay today went for £47. Um, and the variance on that, and the reason that's gone up, is that's because that's the first appearance of White Vision, mm. who was in um, uh, WandaVision. Spoilers. Um, so it is, it's that kind of, you know, those those key characters, that speculation on key characters, sees the books rise quite a lot. One of the ones that's interesting at the moment is um, X-Men number four, um has jumped from 10 pound book to 30 or 40 pound book um based on the rumor that omega red was going to be in falcon and the winter soldier (laughs) um it hasn't gone long long left to make an appearance no um but it is it's that that variance that we're seeing a lot uh that moves things through that's that's Fascinating. So, say now the Shang Chi trailer has dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably, Shang Chi early. So, Shang Chi's key issues: that his his issue number one, or his first appearance, or the first appearance of the Mandarin. Those things are presumably shooting through the roof now. Yep. Okay. Yep. They started shooting through the roof when when it was announced. Uh, absolutely. Ah, okay. And dropping of a trailer would see another. Um, you know, it's it's it shoots up when the announcement's made and gradually comes down a little bit and then it shoots up again when traders released um and then the various other traders and then it will shoot up again when the movie is released and then it will start coming down a little bit more so if i were a more fiscally 
intelligent man, I would perhaps be purchasing um, these comics a little bit before the trailer drops. Sell when the film comes out? That's right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a stocks and shares philosophy of, of you speculate on where things are going to go and then um, invest and sell. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the logic on a lot of it. And, and you can kind of see the speculation on uh, some of the comics moving in places and some of them not. So, for instance, um, the first appearance of Taskmaster which I think is Avengers 167, 168 or something around there. Um, so it's a cameo in 167 and an appearance in 168, I think. Um, that, they're, they're fairly standard priced books. They're not moving much further than the, the, the 30 and 50 pound mark. Mm-hmm. Um despite the the, the, the interest and in, in Taskmaster coming out. So it's interesting that some will spike more than others. For instance, Deadpool, since the Ryan Reynolds film, has um, flown up mm. um, and has stayed quite comfortably a £250 book for it on its own and close to £600 for, for CGC, would you say? Yeah, that's about right. Um, I think I think last I saw there were some sales of about eight hundred pounds for the first Deadpool appearance. Um, the most interesting one in in terms of first appearances is Fallout number four. Um, anyone want to have a guess at who the first appearance of that is? So I know because again I was tracking one earlier today. <laughs> oh, I don't. So this is Ultimate Fallout. This was yeah. the Ultimate Universe, and this was the end of Ultimatum. Yeah, um, which was their big batshit crazy event. Scarlet Witch gets killed. Um, Magneto goes apeshit. Reverses the polarity of the the poles. Um, Blob eats Wasp. Um, all of that um and it finished in ultimate fallout 4 um we had a new spider-man so it was the first appearance of miles morales wow. um who through spider-verse and various other things and inclusion in the spider-man ps4 game ps5 mm-hmm. game yeah. is is you know it, it's decided yeah. with an expectation of of just when not if he, he becomes through uh, one of the most popular characters that's come out in quite a while. Mm-hmm. So a second print variant edition of Fallout 4 um, sold today for £63. Okay. Mm. Yeah. If you have a first print, do you, do you want to, if you've got eBay up or, or, or something like that, do you want to have a look at Ultimate Fallout 4 first print? No. <laughs> <laughs> Because whenever I'm looking at these expensive comics, I'm I'm really worried I click on buy it now. Um, because I, I can tell you now, I can't I can't afford it. Um, Hundred and forty nine, I've got here. That's cheap. Yeah. Is it a battered copy with lots of spine ticks, creases, a page missing, perhaps? Um, I think it's a French copy. 
Uh, okay. So, okay. So that question about the prices brings up, I guess, an interesting. You mentioned now, arranging between the kind of fifty to one hundred and fifty pound mark, um, but presumably this goes very, very high. You mentioned Action Comics number one, um, and sort of you know. So, yeah, to give some sort of variance here, so we've got. Um... 152 is another one that's being bid up at the moment for a first print, first appearance, mm-hmm. ultimate fallout and for £250 for a polybagged, unopened, great condition, first print. And then we go to, and this is this is what people are asking for, not necessarily what they're going to get. Yeah. But um, CGC 9.8, first appearance, ultimate fallout, full first print, 2500 And the thing is, you know, you you... you say that these books were uh, are high but the beauty of this is that you could have bought this a cover price when it first came out yeah right so you could have had this for two pound fifty uh, and yeah to that point about you know the variance in the grading mm. so that was a 9.8 at two and a half thousand an 8.5 750 yeah okay so there is there is a drastic drop off of of uh some of the, the the pricings in it, nine point four one thousand one hundred ninety five. Jay, just give us the extreme. Uh, what was what was Action Comics number one going for? Action Comics number one. Let me find my uh, information. So, how many CGC copies of Action Comics number one do you think that there are? Five hundred. B. Uh, probably about three. Let's go two hundred seventy-two. Oh, wow. Of which only forty are considered unrestored. Okay. <laughs> what is the highest uh, grade? Um, Nine point zero. Uh, it is an action comics nine point zero. Wow. Um, is And that was um, unrestored. So that was uh, considered uh, uh, an original uh, state. So 9.0 CGC. Um, how much do you think it's sold for? I couldn't start to guess. 3.2 million. 3.2 million. Jesus Christ. Uh, low-grade copies can fetch around three hundred thousand, um, but yes, a nine point zero, um, so a very fine near mint copy, um, graded and protected, um, came in at three point two. The the thinking is that if a nine point six copy came up. It would probably reach eight to ten million. God. I mean, even a low graded one, you can buy a house with that money. Mm. Excellent. Uh, are you looking There's... at your comics in new uh, new light? <laughs> well, I do have that. That is one of my questions for you. So the ones that I like, obviously, I've read a lot. There are comics that I've sort of read once and then stuck into a sleeve with five other comics, uh, and they've just sat there. Is it ever worth me going through those and saying, oh, that's a key issue. That's the first appearance of, um, I don't know, Nightwing's new costume. 
Uh, should I go get it checked out? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, so even even the more rough copies of of key issues are when they're hot, they're hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, even some of the more beat up ones um, do very well. Um, uh, but I mean, it does come down to, and I know, be your your unique amongst us in the sense that you actually have sold some of your comics um i have no idea what i'm doing with mine in regards to i'm i'm i have a collection and i have some some comics that i like and i have some cgc ones and i have some that i might dabble with to see if i get cgc'd mm-hmm. um and i have some beautiful beautiful comics um i don't know what the plan is in regards to mm. you know am i ever going to actively look to sell them am i am i going to do something with it or am i just going to you know make this my children's problem and my grandchildren's problem when i finally die i think there has to be a master plan somewhere along the line um you think dying and leaving to the grandkids isn't it (laughs) no but i mean people who collect comics seriously always collect a certain kind of comic they will dabble in comic books, but ultimately that will be to sell at a better price so they can afford to buy the comics that they really, really want. Um, whether that be an improvement on the greater comic they already got um, or whether that be adding to their collection. Um, I know lots of people in the comic book community rave about having um amazing spider-man 300 so that is the holy grail for a lot of comics and that you know there's a ton of asm 300s out there um and you often see people getting uh, a 4.0 or 5.0 keeping it for one or two years and then trading that in selling some other comics and buying a 6.0 um you know the the aim is always to get one better than you had previously um and you know the mantra should be a comic book is better than no comic book um so from that perspective there always has to be a plan you can't collect everything and not have a plan um if you know what i mean asm 300 that's the venom first appearance right it is, yep. All right. What this is telling me is once lockdown is over, B, you need to come round to both Jay and my house and then <laughs> look through our comics and say, these lot are trash, these lot might not be. I mean, like for me, again, it's for reading. If you were to take away all of my individual yeah. issues and replace them with trades, I'd be quite happy. Um, mm. I've even thought about just getting them all binded together, you know, um, destroying mm. any kind of sense of value, but just because it makes it easy to read. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's different types of collectors out there. There's people who collect raw books simply to read and have a run of comic books because they they like looking at comic books in in short boxes or or long boxes. There's people out there who collect just graded comics. There's people out there who collect omnibus editions. Um, Yeah. So that's that's a good question there. Now, omnibus editions and trades and things like that, so the other way to get a comic story, it, the story is to buy the trade paperbacks, right? The collected mm. editions. Yeah. Do those vary in value at all? I mean, if you or if you buy one for twelve quid, that's all it's worth. 
Yeah, if you if you want to read through it, absolutely. No, do they do they I, vary in value? Do they go up and down? They can do depending on the print runs. So okay. there's there's some, for instance, that um, will have had a very limited print run, won't have gone into second and third printings, haven't turned up on an app yet, and and that's it. So in the same way as um, first printings of of books and and other things, you know, there's there is some value in that. Um, usually it's less than the source material um so you know the 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 key the issue is likely to be more than the trade paperback but the trade paperback's possibly going to be more than you know reprints facsimile editions blah 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 blah, blah, um depending on 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 the market for it so i mean there are some that have um have had interesting values to them um But again, a lot of this comes down to what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, if if there's a certain book out there that, you know, some people will buy comic books because of the story or the run or the appearance. Some people will buy comic books because of the cover art. And as a piece of art, some covers are so beautiful. Mm. Um, you know, I, I am a bit of a magpie in terms of, of, of that sort of stuff. Uh, I will look at a cover and I thought, oh my gosh, I, I really need that. I need, really need, need to add that to my collection. I mean, one of my recent purchases was um, a Thor comic. Um, they had a character in in there who appear, appeared in the last arc called Black Winter. And what the writer and the artist had done had covered up the title of the comic and they they'd put Winter is Coming. Mm-hmm. And me being a lover of, of Game of Thrones, well, seven seasons. Seasons, seven seasons. Um, <laughs> I I really needed to have that in my collection. I mean, it's one of fifty in the whole world that I now have in my collection. Um, you know, one of fifty. So that was like a variant cover. Well, no, the the artist, um, the cover artist, had drawn over it, so it's a numbered. Um, alteration to the comic. So, so they, basically, they've done a sketch. Yeah. Um, oh, right, so yeah. similar to similar to like if they'd done a numbered autograph run, right? Mm. Of you know, I've signed two hundred comics, and this is number okay. seventeen of two hundred. They'd they'd done a sketch on fifty copies of this yeah. at one time. They may have done more, but mm. in this in this sitting, they'd done a sketch of fifty. Uh, comics so this you know there would there would have been a never slightly different hand-drawn sketch mm. on each of them yeah okay so that leads me to my next question around uh getting comics signed and things does that generally increase value or decrease value or impact it at all it depends on who signed it. i mean not a random person <laughs> but the artist or the or the writer so again this is so what this is part of my frustration in the sense of mm. i've got some very beautiful signed comics yeah and they're a little bit in limbo in the sense of um because most of mine are through things like dynamic forces and all the rest of it they've got state, you know certificates of authenticity which is nice because otherwise it could be signed by anyone um but uh, especially in you know the world of the internet and, and you know everything can be you know Photoshop. copied. Yeah. Um, but CGC will only verify a signature if they have witnessed the signature. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So, for instance, I have a a, a Stanley signed comic book, which I'm I'm very pleased to have. Um, 
I cannot, if I send it for CGC, then actually what I'll get is a lower grade on a CGC book mm -hmm. because it's a damaged book because someone scrawled over it yeah. rather than a higher grade because it's signed by Stan Lee. Because even with a certificate of authenticity, they're unlikely to accept it as a signature. Yeah, they, they yeah. won't. It's not unlikely they won't. They will have on the cover, um, uh, name written on front cover in ink. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all they have. Um, but why um, some schlub? There is an alternative, Jay. I don't know if you've heard of C C um, C C B S. That's the C radio system that the truckers use when they go up and down America. <laughs> no, not quite. No, um, but that's a rival company to CGC. Um, there's about three or four of these, isn't there? Because there's PC PGs PGX. Um, I thought that was the golf court tournament. <laughs> um, but everyone... The, ex the extreme golf tournament. It, it, no one, everyone hates PGX, so don't, don't, even, don't even go that far. But CB, I think it's C, CCBS, um, are, they, what they do is they'll, they'll look at the signature um, and if they can, by looking at it, verify it matches known signatures from said person they will authenticate it and send you a slabbed copy of it. And what's the price variance in regards to CBCS and CGC? Um, it used to be a hell of a lot, but now not so much. There is still a variance. CGC are still considered... The industry standard. Absolutely. Um, but the others are catching up. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I think there's a lot of um, uh, variance that, that people are feeling in regards to the quality of the thing. So if yeah, it's, right. you know, you, you could see one of these that's, you know, marked as a 9.8 by by one of the other. And if it went to CGC, yeah. it would be an 8.5, 8.6. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a real kind of weird kind of skew on these things. Um but, uh, yeah, interesting to, to find out. Um, so, B, what is your, 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 the prize in your collection at the moment? Um, in, in terms of value or the one I love the most? Uh, either, both. I must say that all of these are kept in a safe, in a location that is not in your house. And the code <laughs> is only known by all participants like the um uh the, the the fighting hellfish you know we all know a bit of the code so that uh yeah just before your insurance premiums go up <laughs> right so um i do love my um thor six uh which is um the one i just talked about it's it's uh the one where um greg horner has um done a sketch of winter is coming and it's signed by donny cates as well um which is the um um the writer um so i do love that i also love my star wars adventures which has been remarked by john gang who is the cover artist um that's quite nice um also love my venom uh 25 um which is a cover homage to a hulk um cover um which is super um 
and I also love my Venom 3, which is the first um, appearance of Null, yeah. Um, uh, that will probably be the most valuable book in my collection at the moment. And what would be your your holy grail? What would be your grail book? If you could have any book in the world, slabbed or, or, or raw, what would be the one that you'd want? Well, you do know that I love my Venom movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and equally so, um, I love my Venom books. Um, I, I, Venom's uh, such a great character um, and played such an important part in King in Black recently. Um, so I'd love to have ASM 300. That would be my holy grail. Um, so, you know, if anyone's listening out there, you know, birthdays coming up, Christmases, <laughs> <laughs> a 9.8, please. Steve, we'll, before we'll, before we'll we move on from this, one last question for you. We mentioned at the very beginning, just to go back about storing these, these uh, slapped mm-hmm. and graded comics. So, I mean, do you worry about things like sun sun damage and and moisture damage and things like that? Do they need to be in, you know, like climate controlled rooms, like a wine cellar, or can you just have them up on display on your wall? So I do have some display cases that I can display um, CGC rated books in. Um, They're available on Amazon. I'm sure they're available widely. Um, And I do rotate them. So they don't get exposed to light um, very often. Um, most of my, in fact, all of my CGC collection are kept in BCW, which is the brand uh, plastic boxes. Um, they're stored in there, organized by publishing houses um, and then alphabetically. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's how I store them. So, so can they lose value? Basically, so, so say you've just stuck them up on the wall because you really like to look at them, um, mm-hmm. and they they presumably take some kind of light damage. Yeah, they could fade. Uh, they could fade. So, will that lose value even though it's already been graded? Uh, yes. Okay. So you know you can you could so the essence of of getting it graded is try and protect it as best as possible. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure whether they're completely watertight, but hell, I'm not going to try and find out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so when, obviously... when we do buy you ASM 300, we'll test it with the watertight thing so you can you know, see from not. that one. And Do not there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously within grading, some some books could be slightly skewed or not not centered right, and they would attract slightly more of a you know if i had a choice if you were to go into a car showroom um and you know one had sat nav and one car didn't have sat nav the car with the sat nav would attract more so same kind of premise with with comic books you know if one is comic comic books with sat nav is going to attract more than (laughs) something like that yeah um t what about you if you uh if you were to have one dream book what would be your one that you'd want is there a specific issue or or first appearance of a character or i I don't know if i can i can even sort of comprehend that really because as i say minor for reading like i've lost alan moore signed uh, comics on the tube 
<laughs> because I, I took it to to read basically. Um, so no, I I don't think I'd want the pressure of having to look after a particular book and keep it out of sunlight and things like that, and and not be able to read it. I think that would frustrate me very much as well. So I I quite like to be able to love my comics. I think. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is why you still have people who are very much kind of um, raw book collectors because there is a, uh, a a tradition they have. There is a they like the 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 tradition of you know the smell of the comic book, the feel of the pages, the mm. the being able to read it, albeit very carefully, that kind of thing. Um, you know, the the amount of comics that you will have in your collection that have been read and loved and things is. Um, you know, unless you are going for, you know, 9.8s, which are, you know, never been read, never been cracked kind of thing, mm. never been opened, mm. you're always going to have. I think for me, um, I, probably the my, my favourite comic in my collection at the moment is um, Sandman number one, um, nice. which I picked up a little while ago. Um, and uh, my... The one I would love to have would probably be um, Incredible Hulk 181, which is um, Wolverine. Yeah, Yeah. which unless I get like an incredibly beaten up, you know, you don't want to read it because it's just Mm. going to disintegrate in your hand um, or win the lottery. um, I don't think is ever going to be in my collection. But um, yeah, that's 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 one and i know when i I was looking at it years ago it was about 150 pounds for 180 which is the cameo appearance Mm. him on the last page jumping in and then it was about 300 pounds for the um uh the the first full appearance of but interesting we will continue to see these things grow and we will probably come back to this as some of the weird speculation and uh interest in these things um build through and part of that is driven very much by uh the mcu the marvel cinematic universe and how they tell their stories and introduce us to new characters through their shows um and um falcon and the winter soldier is no different so um if you are not up to date, then we are going to do our recommendations and then talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier um, and maybe a bit of, of Invincible as well. Um, but if you um, and if you are not up to date and you're leaving us then, then uh, we wish you the best uh, and uh, come in um, to, back to us next week. Um, but uh, we hope you stick around. So let's do our recommendations. Um, B, do you want to go first? Oh, so I was hoping T would go first, but uh, um, you I can throw T if you prefer. No, 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 I'll, 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 I'll take it. <laughs> um, I watched a movie on Netflix um, last week called Love and Monsters, and ah. I thought it was superb. Such a good movie. Um, it's. It, I don't want to say too much because I'm kind of hoping our listeners will go out there and watch it because it is such a fun, fun movie. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, we haven't seen, you know, alien bugs anywhere before, have we now? So um, I think this was very 
very well done, very well made, acted, um, and you know, such a beautiful cast. Very cool. I've seen it um, uh, suggested on my Netflix a lot, but I haven't got to it yet. Um, I think you'll enjoy it, Jay. I, I will. I will. I will get to it now. I think uh, following that. Um, T. Um, so I just picked up uh, book four of the Wayfarer series. I think it's just come out actually by Becky Chambers. So it's um, it's a loosely connected series of books um, uh, uh, written by Becky Chambers. Um, so, and the first book is this very much sort of your Firefly uh, ba- band of kind of misfits on a spaceship together traveling called... Um, the long way to a small angry planet. And that's how I got into it because I love, you know, random strangers stuck on a spaceship together. Um, but the, the way she writes, the, the the sort of the empathy, the connectivity and, and inclusivity of of the characters, um, everyone is just, is, as I say, they're inclusive, they're empathetic, they're good people. Um, there's no, the, the whole plot is very much character driven. Um, there's no just kind of big, you know, mustache twirling baddie over there and, and ambiguous characters and things like that. Um, it's just, it's great when you need a bit of a pick me up. It's great when you're having a bit of a rough time with reality. And if you want your sci fi just to be sort of, you know, a soothing balm for your soul, if you know what I mean? Um, four books so far and, and a novella as well, actually. So four, four and a half, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, so pleased to have, to just spot this one. So I didn't realize it'd come out uh, as soon as I started reading it. Immediately, just felt like, I guess, safe. You know, everyone in this in this world that she's writing, uh, our characters I'll, I'll empathize with, uh, our characters I'll like. Um, not the most sort of dramatic or fast paced storytelling. That it's just, it's more kind of just enjoying being in the company of the characters she writes. Um, uh, so, yeah, the Wayfarer series by Becky Chambers is my recommendation. Very cool. Um, I'm going to steal one. I'm going to steal one that um, I think B will get around to recommending at some point. Um, so I'm going to steal it from him. Um, <laughs> well, uh, everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the difference is I'll let you go first this time. <laughs> I, I, know, I, I didn't even want to really. recommend that film. I just did it to piss you off. <laughs> Um, but the King in Black story has finished um, in Marvel. Yeah. Um, God, uh, B's almost recommended that so many times we didn't let him because he hadn't finished. He did recommend. Uh, so so B has recommended Donny Cates' Thor run uh, back in September. Uh, he recommended Donny Cates' Venom in January, um, and this is kind of the culmination of both of those stories. So. Uh, King in Black is very much about Null, who um, B just referenced, um, the, the god of, of the symbiote, the god of the void, yeah. um, coming to Earth um, to take over. And um, it's it's um, one of your typical big bad, all hope is lost uh, kind of things. Um but there's been some really good stuff that comes through and Donny Cates really did a very good job of Brilliant, yeah. layering in stories over the last few years with Silver Surfer Black, with um, uh, with with the Thor run, um, the Devourer of Worlds stuff, um, all of that stuff that he then comes and pays off 
in King in Black. Um, so really, really big story. My favorite out of all of the issues is probably issue four of five um, because I love um, how he gets some of the characters involved um, mm. against this kind of omnipotent, all-powerful um, uh, craziness. Um, I, I'm interested to see what happens with Null because, you know, spoilers, he loses. Um, uh, and he loses in quite a, a fairly strong way. Yeah, do you think he's ever going to come back to them from that? I, I, I feel he must. Yeah, he's, he's such a big character, you think somewhere along the line. But yeah, they've they've they they kind of you know punctuated the ending there, didn't they? Um, uh, but I mean, you know, the 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 twist in regards to what tips the the balance in the the good guy's favour is one that I loved because um, you know it's very familiar to us old comic fans, but different. Um, uh, yeah, and the the statement has been brilliant, and uh, yeah, I, I I think it's been definitely worth the ride. So, um, uh, the King in Black series is uh, my recommendation. That's a very good show. Um, and um, will any of us be recommending Falcon and the Winter Soldier next week when it finishes? Uh, let's <laughs> let's. <laughs> T will be recommending Falcon and the Soldier next week when it finishes. You heard it here um, first. <laughs> so uh, if you are leaving us, have a great week. Look after yourself and come back next week. Let's jump in and have a very frank conversation about episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we are five episodes into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and it's all getting a bit tasty. Um, so, uh, we have, uh, all out of episode four where, uh, John Walker, um, uh, took matters into his own hands. Um, and we, uh, see him, uh, disbarred and, um, uh, unceremoniously removed from the role of Captain America. Um, uh, and we see the build towards the final episode including um, a, a mysterious package for Sam. Um, how did we feel about episode five? Best episode so far. Really? Absolutely loved it. I loved every minute. Wow. And it was a nice long episode as well. Could really sink your teeth into it. Do you want to go first, B? Uh, go on. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I wouldn't say is the best one. Um, certainly had lots of um, movement in it. Um, character building uh, definitely uh, plays John Walker up as as being the ultimate nutcase. Um, you know, I, I liked the the building of the family. Um, you know, Sam's family. Uh, I loved the little. Uh, Uncle Sam reference. Um, mm -hmm. 
I liked the, you know, him going back to um, Isaiah and, and having the chat with him about, you know, the Captain America role, if you like. Um, very topical, especially in this current environment that we seem to be living in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was good, but it, it, you know, last last week we talked about the 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 so called um, cameo. cameo, you know, that's that that was that was being built up, and you know, we we friggin' hell, it feels like we're back to Mephisto again, um, <laughs> and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this further in, um, but I was quite disappointed in that. Um, I, I just, it, for me, this episode was a bit meh. Um, you know, I, I love the, you know, the, the buddy style between Sam and, and, and Bucky. Um, we all know what's in the case anyway. So there's not so much of a, a, a you know, cliffhanger there. Um, I'm pretty certain I know who the power broker is now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was meh. To me, is the power broken, Mephisto? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think I'm somewhere in between. It's kind of thumbs up, but um, I don't think it's been my favourite of them so far. Mm. Um, I like the fact that it moved the stuff along, but it did feel at parts a little bit of a filler episode. It's the it's the the heartbeat episode where you know everyone kind of sits down and gives each other a good talking to um i really enjoyed the dynamic between bucky and and sam as i have done throughout um i loved bucky flirting with sam's sister <laughs> That's good um i thought that was really really good um but it was you know a little bit on you know this week on two guys build a boat um uh, and, and it's kind of, you know, uh, pacing was a little bit off for me, but, you know, it, it's building towards something. Um, and it kind of did align a few points quite strongly. Um, the cameo I'm split on in regards to, um, you know, again, it's it's us as fans kind of letting our expectations scale and scale and scale and i was quite reserved on this one following my astrophysicist astro engineer <laughs> stuff from um one division mm-hmm. where i you know i was expecting someone fantastic and i got someone very background um which kind of you know kind of managed my expectation for this one um the reason i'm split on it though is because um i'm a huge fan of veep and julia lewis dreyfus is incredible in in that character as as veep as selena meyer invited veep um uh if anyone hasn't seen veep but you've seen the thick of it it's the same people uh armando inanucci um but it's a take on american politics um and it's just a master class in how to swear mm. um so uh you know one of one of my my favorite just for no reason 
lines in Veep is um, uh, it's uh, oh uh, you know you, you like sex yeah and you you like travel well fuck off because <laughs> um, it's just kind of pointless but it's a great way to get to someone swearing um, so it's it, I, I I'm really interested to see what she's done she does with it I, she was she was very very charismatic and and captivating the moment she walked in um you know you, you could sense where the power was in everything reminded me a lot because i'd watched this just before just a, a couple of days before reminded me a lot of the amanda waller character mm. in the suicide squad films um in regards to just like that that hugely powerful fairly okay with the the, the dispensability of people um so whether she becomes something thunderbolty i don't quite know mm. um now obviously in the comics she has had various roles but one of those is as madam hydra um so is that a dark avengers style thing maybe um but but you know it, it, there's an interest there to see what kind of happens i think um especially with with nick fury out in space somewhere um so yeah i i i enjoyed it um but i'm interested to see how it all comes together so i loved it because really all i want to see is the two of those guys sitting around having a chat that's that's what i'm here for yep you know, and if they're doing that while they build a boat, that's that's epic. Um, I like that they started off with a big action set piece. I thought that was quite nice, mixed it up a little bit. So we had, we, you didn't end on the big battle, you started on the big battle. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And in a way, you got it out the way, and then you could have some more of the interpersonal moments. I've been watching um, uh, the Falcon and Bucky stuff uh, on the MCU. So I've, I watched uh, Winter Soldier, I watched Civil War, and I've been sort of watched those things in the background. Um, and I think particularly interesting is uh falcon who who starts off as you know this, this sort of trauma counselor for people you know he, he's got that side of him which isn't sort of you know the more traditional anthony mackie kind of really cocky happy friendly kind of kind of vibe and you got to see a lot more of that um this time as well um so that was great um the conversation with isaiah i loved that you know normally when you've got the wise older character that says a thing and that's just now that's a fact. You know, he's come along and said, no, no self-respecting black man would ever pick up the shield. Mm. And normally that would be, that's the end, right? Now Sam can't pick up the shield. That's confirmed. That's the rules of this universe now set. Yeah. And then later on, no, that's not true. That's one person's view. I don't have to go by that view. That never happens. You know, you, the audience is, you know, normally you just take the view of that person. That's all you're given to kind of go with. But no, actually... That's a view I got, and I'm still thinking about it. That was epic, I thought. Um, and just addressing, you know, well, a couple of things. Just just that line where um, Sam said, oh, yes, so, you know, when Steve and I talked about um, you getting the shield, we had no concept of what it'd be like for a black man to take the shield. How could we? I mean, yeah. the yeah. acknowledgement of that, the apology from Sam, and, and on a side note as well, just the fact that Sam and Steve had talked about it, 
I love that because there was a moment in Endgame. Now, the shield had to go to Sam and not to Bucky. Like, logically, it had to um, because, you know, Bucky's still a mess, basically. And the shield means this is the person who's going to be in the spotlight, uh, is going to be Captain America, is potentially going to lead the Avengers. We need a hero, you know, a marketable hero with sort of the good optics of a hero sort of thing. Um, less, to, to, to kind of Marvel phrase, less read in the ledger. Yes, exactly. Less read in the ledger. Um, but that didn't necessarily come across in that moment in Endgame. And when you had Bucky kind of standing there in the background, there's a, there's a part of me that sort of went, oh, is Bucky going? Oh, why not me? And just that kind of confirmation of, no, no, dude, this was a plan. Steve and I always knew you were going to get the shield. That was brilliant, too. Yeah. Um, so I loved it. I loved it. Uh, going on to the cameo. Yeah, I mean, okay, I don't, I don't know that much about the Contessa. And I kind of don't need to. Because There's as not you much say, to know. Julia Louis-Dreyfus turning up like that. And that's that's your Marvel money, man. That's you enticing an actress like that to come along, an actor like that to come along and play that role. And what a fucking badass she was. You know, she oozed power and charisma, and you know, and and ex- and it was just epic and exciting. Um, yeah, I I feel like it's doing everything right. Uh, it's it's hitting every every beat that I want I want it to hit hit, and a few beats that I didn't know I wanted it to hit. You know, it, it's ground. It's having those real life conversations. So actually, this isn't. You know, in a. I think Civil War did a bit of this. In Civil War, um, Zemo talks about, oh, did you ever... The the Avengers just left after Sokovia. Did you ever think about what happened? Did you ever think about the impact of it? No, you didn't. Um, you know, there was an aspect of it uh, acknowledging there's a world outside of the big tentpole movies that you're impacting. Um, but this is just doing it so fucking well. I'm really sad. I, I hadn't actually... Pegged that next week is the last episode. I, for some reason, I thought this was mid-season, so we'd have another uh, four episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I think so far so good. It didn't need to end on that. You know, he was looking at at, at, at his box at the wings, and you know, I thought it might it might have ended on the big moment of him stepping out in new costume, but it didn't. And I kind of like that too because I'm excited to see it all in the next episode. Um, I wasn't quite sure. In fact, here's a, here's a question for you guys. With Zemo and Bucky's confrontation, this is the bit I didn't quite get. So Bucky shooting the blank. I mean, what, was he just being a dick? Was he just trying to freak him out? What was that all about? Oh. I I took it as him showing Zemo that he's not that person anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the Winter Soldier, I'm not the Executioner, I'm not the Assassin. I believe in law and order. I don't believe that I am the the the, the reckoning. Um, so I have chosen not to do that. Yeah. Uh, there may be a better... Bucky, for future reference, you don't have to make the man shit his pants to explain that. You could not just not point the gun at him and say it. Uh, as as um, T'Challa did at the end of Civil War, Yes. When you know, so actually Baron Zemo was ready to die, you know, uh from Civil War. He wanted to break the Avengers and then and then he was ready to be killed. Suicide by cop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then when T'Challa refused, he tried to kill himself and T'Challa blocked it as well. So yeah, that felt a bit unnecessary. And, and secondly, the um the Dormelage turning up behind Zemo to then arrest him. It felt like Zemo called them. 
Now, I get in the context of the story, it must have been Bucky. I'm not going to kill you. I've called the Dormilaje to arrest you. But there was something really weird about that beat. And maybe it's just because Zemo always seems like he's in control. Yeah, I, I think there was a certain amount of the moment that's not a real bullet, then of course this is what happens kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I suppose the, the difference is that, you know, uh, T'Challa was very Captain America-like in, you know, again, just, you know, the best of us. Mm. And Bucky's flawed and, you know, probably maybe wasn't sure himself whether he was going to fire put a bullet in the gun or not mm. um so isn't quite just as like you know of course i wouldn't as as some of the others um but it was it was tension for tension's sake wasn't it um yeah yeah so so that, think, that's the bit that didn't work for me i think Sorry, zemo's been a revelation in this series oh yeah oh yeah yeah definitely i yeah, we talk <laughs> I we talk a it... lot about um marvel not having compelling villains um with notable honorable exceptions like Michael B. Jordan. Um <laughs> but um I think Zemo's done a really good job here of of being something more than. Yes. 100 percent I think um I think it, it, there was a big Easter egg. They obviously they he he's been taken to the raft and we know who controls the raft, don't we? Do we? Who controls the raft? The the general. Yeah. Oh, As okay. Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. So why would the 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 Wakandan? I know. I, that that's why it's an Easter egg. You see. Mm. So they want him. Um, we know that they can get extradition fairly easily, or they could at least. T'Challa could, because uh, you had that bit in. Um, in civil war where T'Challa just like uh, snapped taking Bucky back to back to Wakanda. Yeah, and that's from that was from um America. That wasn't even from Sokovia, which is where Germany we were, wasn't, wasn't it from, I think. Yeah. Um, one of, yeah, so but Sokovia is, is obviously going to be different and you know different international Thing so I don't even think there's less of a uh, I think there's less of an issue there than there would have been with with Germany so yeah I mean it just feels a little bit weird that you know we want him you have to hand him over to us and I'm going to put him straight back into the prison I mean, where maybe they're just not about prisons maybe they're like you know we don't want him in a in a Wakandan prison we don't want to you know but we want him to be so we don't have the facilities necessarily. Oh God, it's Wakanda, they've got facilities and everything. But you know, that's not how they've built their society. Evolved to a point where they don't have that kind of yeah. penal system. Yeah. Which is why Killmonger is somewhere chilling on a farm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was sad to see him go. He was such a great character. I, I think he's going to be back. I hope don't, so. Don't you worry. He, definitely he'll be back. Definitely, definitely. Definitely a great character. Um, because, yeah, he's been probably the most interesting thing. Well, him and, and the Bucky and uh, Sam relationship. I also yeah. loved the the training montage. Or, or, well, 
I loved the bit before the training montage. The training montage was just a great fun thing anyway. Um, it it do you know you know in Endgame when they started to do all the callbacks and they started really early before they did the time traveling stuff with with um Steve in the in the Winter Soldier outfit. Yep. And it was just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is part of this is part of the last twenty films I've watched. You know, that training montage, that sorry, just them bouncing the the shield back and forth to each other as they have that conversation. <laughs> just the most pro version of Frisbee you've ever seen in your life. Honestly, you know, and he, you could just feel Steve's presence there with them. You know, it was just so so brilliantly done. I feel like they understand the characters so well and yeah. the characters in particular Sam is so well written so sort of grounded um you know he's earned now he's really earned that title um so at the end of this whether he picks up the shield or not you know if he picks up the shield and, and is captain america he's earned it and we've been on this journey with him um and we understand him and we understand that it's not just the best of us, Steve Rogers, who, who you know, that Sam is. Sam is something so much richer as a character. Yeah. Uh, and it's, oh, it's great. Oh, man, great episode. Can't wait for the next one. No, I mean, it's going to be good. It's, 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 it's been less um, compelling for me in some ways than One Division. Just in the sense that it's, it, there's less to kind of like, and what does that mean, and how does that work, and whatever. But I've I've enjoyed the fact that it's just a straight up punch you in the face action adventure, um, and it's got a, a, a you know a really good pace. Um, B, do you want to get into your speculation as to the power broker? Um, yeah, I, I think the power broker is. I've forgotten her name, Sharon. Sharon Carter, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. I think she's the power breaker. I, I mean, it all seems to be pointing that way, doesn't it? Um, I don't understand if that's the case because she's led them to basically execute Nagel. Hmm. And this there's is... there's no way that she's kind of had a. You know, well, maybe Baron Zemo, who's famous for killing super soldiers, won't kill the super soldier. Um, to the point where she's not even in the room. It's not like she's like, you know, and I'll be there in case it will go sideways. Uh, and then she's beating up the the, the body, the, the the bounty hunters, and that might be that she's protecting her uh, secret identity as the power broker. Mm. But I don't understand why she lets Nagel die point. Yeah. if she's the power broker. Mm, good point. And, and it could just be one of those kind of like, you know, because we didn't want to tell that story um, because we wanted the, this to happen. Um, but that's the bit that, that makes me kind of go, but why? There's a lot about Sharon's arc, I think, that could do with expanding, you know. Uh, and obviously we want to get to it in this in this one episode. Um but there's a story to be there, and I'm, I'm yeah, really interested to hear it. Yeah, and I think Madripoor's an interesting oh, yeah. character in itself now that they've they've created this um, wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> Do you think the power broker could just be like the Mandarin or something? Yeah, I mean, it could be anyone. Um, 
could be Thunderbolt Ross. Um, I, I mean, um, Emil Blomsky was was rumoured to be here somewhere. We've not seen him yet. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I it feels a waste if it's no one. It feels like something they have to pay off in one way, shape, or form. Um, could be linked to the Contessa and that kind of dark side that they're the, the, the seedy underbelly that they're kind of building up on bits of it. What was that thing about where she gave her business card, but it was completely blank? <laughs> so it's either a very clever card that is activated at some point. Um, or it's just an absolute power play of, you know, if you need me, here you go. There's nothing on it. No, because you don't contact me, do you? Mm. That's what you said. You're answering the phone when I call. <laughs> yes. And we've probably got some session. kind of, um, you know, yeah. microfiber thing so she can track him or something. Avengers membership card. Yeah. Invisible ink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nanotech, yeah. Um but yeah, it's a really good episode, and I'm really interested to see how they they end this one. Um, the Loki stuff looks really interesting. Um, it looks as if he might end up on Voromir talking to a certain widow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Which could be quite an interesting little piece. Um so yeah, it would be it would be very interesting to to kind of see that. Bearing in mind, this is the Loki who escaped after the end of Avengers. So the the last interaction those two would have had would have been the 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 widow getting him to talk in the mm. cell, yeah. and and you know him trying to be mean and break her down, and then um switching so you know very much about the red in the ledger which kind of goes into the black widow story and kind of goes into why she sacrificed herself in in Boromir. so you know it could be an interesting kind of bit um but yeah it looks it, again it just looks like something absolutely different to what they're doing the colors they're painting with are just broad and and vibrant aren't they really yeah absolutely master strike Cannot wait. I mean, Marvel have just made Disney Plus have just made Friday evenings like amazing. So what a great thing to look forward to. A hundred percent. It's worth staying in for. <laughs> and um Amazon Prime are doing a good job with with Invincible as well. Ooh. Superb, yeah. So good. I um have chosen and you know, I'm. It's funny because we've we've talked about this many times. I'm really not fussed by spoilers. Um, I'm cool with spoilers. I, you know, it doesn't impact my in, enjoyment on things. Mm. I have chosen not to watch a lot of the, you know, the history of Atom Eve and various other mm-hmm. videos that have been popping up. Um, I've chosen not to order any of the comics and, and read through the omnibuses or anything at this moment. I've chosen to let the series be my yes exploration of this yes um because i'm really enjoying the 
what's the actual fuckness mm-hmm. of what happens in these. Um, so, you know, from episode one, and I was watching reaction videos to the end of episode one, where Omni Man kind of swoops in and then destroys the the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, similar to what we've talked about with the Mandalorian with the lightsabers and um, Endgame with the hammer, the beats are the beats. You know, the same bits that I was kind of sitting there going, "What the fuck is going?" Is exactly the same beats everyone else's. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just masterfully done, um, and and just continues to go at such a pace that, um, uh, yeah, it, it it really is a hell of a ride at the moment, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. So damn good. And sort of on the fence about picking up comics as well. I say do what Jay's doing. Um, if for nothing else, the art of the uh, the animation so closely replicates the comics, it's it's a bit hard to keep track of which have you read this bit already, or is this something that you <laughs> saw in the series, or you know. Um, uh, and also, it's all rejigged and reorganized, so it's not kind of following. Uh, issues linearly um yeah so it, it, absolutely if if this is your first time uh getting to know invincible get to know him in the series first get to know him as he gets to know himself mm-hmm. um but yeah brilliant and um the 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 slant that they put on the characters is is really clever you know monster girl for instance um who the curse means that she can turn into like this huge Hulk-like ogre. Um, but every time she uses her powers, she gets younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's actually 25 years old, but she looks 12. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, a, a brilliant twist on how it works through. So, you know, the conversations about, you know, you've got me down for three combat trainings. Unless you want to be changing my diapers, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Great line. Um, but yeah, and just kind of a real kind of understanding of there's there's stuff and there's stakes and there's implications to a lot of this, um, which is which is kind of borne out through the the, the ridiculous body count. Mm. So yeah, one one that I'm enjoying to see where it goes. Absolutely. How many episodes are there in in this run? I don't know. I don't know. There's lots. You know, the pace at which they're running through this, right? I mean, you're not going to run out of comics. There's 150 issues of the comics. Mm. But each episode has so much storytelling. It's so fucking dense. Yeah, I I think that because there's there's lots of character building Mm. as well as action. In yeah. you know it it so feels like a a a longer um, episode than what it actually is. Um, I, I reckon there's four or five seasons worth. Yeah, Let's hope yes. so. I mean, there's there's a lot to uh, go through. I know that. Um, so let's let's hope so. And of so course, J.K. That... Simmons' voice acting always just yeah. <laughs> He's been turning up everywhere. Anything we've watched recently has had J.K. Simmons in it, and I am I am here for that. I'm here for J.K. Simmons all day. 
Yeah, it's 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 yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I can't see. It doesn't seem to want to tell me how many. Um, uh, episodes are coming on it. Um, Sandra O, oh, I think, is brilliant in it as well. Um, yeah. Her second favorite, my second favorite role of hers, because um, Eve Eve Polanski from Killing Eve still wins it for me. I think. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Um, no, it only tells me that the that um, Kirkman wrote the final episode of the season. And that's nice, actually, to not know, because it will end when it ends. Let's, let's just roll with it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can cope with that. I'm already watching it every week, so <laughs> something's got to give. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, so if you're not watching it, then you should. Um, just just make sure you're not too squeamish. I think. Awesome. So we will come back next week and talk about uh, all of the above again. I would imagine um, we have the final of. Um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier to talk about. We might have the final of Invincible. We don't know because we don't know how many episodes there are um, and uh, everything else that's going on. So um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for listening. Um, get involved with the conversation at Geeking in Pod. Tell us what you're watching, what your order of watching is. And we will come back and speak again next week. Look after each other. Look after yourself. Bye bye. Adios. Cheerio. Yeah.